Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Yeah, I want to report this before I jump in today, but we have actually Baby Dane. We've been praying for him. His family's here today, and we've been praying for Baby Dane. I'm not sure where they're at, but we've been praying for you, and it's a miracle that he's actually breathing and eating on his own. And we want to just continue to pray for a complete miracle of healing that baby Dane comes home in Jesus' name. Do you believe he can do it? Won't he do it? Believe in a God that does the impossible. I was thanking God last night that pretty much everything our church has agreed on in this environment on Sundays, we've seen happen. We prayed for Iman when the, when the doctors gave him a death verdict. And he is a walking, talking miracle. And he's here, was on a ventilator for 60 plus days. They're making a movie about him. And um, I'm telling you that God is a God in the business of doing miracles. This church isn't growing because I'm a great dresser. Come on, let's be honest. Guy's wearing his wife's jeans. Uh, this church is growing because people are getting healed, set free from addictions, and people are having life-altering encounters with Jesus. If you believe it, come on, say amen. God's building his church. So uh, I'm excited that you're here today. If you're brand new, maybe watching online, I would love it if you would click that share button. Uh, we have people watching from all over the country. And uh, we actually, this is our very first week. We have our first official watch party in Florida today. We had a couple move to Florida. They checked out every church they could look at. And they said, Mark, there's nothing in Florida like oceans where we live. So they said, can we host it at our house? And can you send, I think they actually watched first service, but if you're watching the service again, we love you. (laughs) Watching two services from home. That's dedication right there. But uh, we want to welcome all those watching in Palm Beach area. So excited for what God is doing. And uh, if you're excited, say amen. Amen. Well, I know there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, but I'd like to remind you that we serve a God that's over the storms. And I don't get scared until Jesus gets scared. And if he's not freaking out, we're not going to freak out. Can I get a good amen? Well, you don't understand there's, no, I do. I, I understand that we got to continue to believe God, continue to pray, and believe that he is the God that's in control. I believe that many miracle stories will come out of this dark season right now, and there'll be many people with testimonies of saying God sent angels, God rescued, God delivered, God saved, and I'm just telling you what, my, my cousin, or my, my, or, or Rochelle's uncle, he actually was a man of great faith, wrote a book on great faith, died of cancer. This is what he wrote. He wrote a book on healing when he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the book was called, the book was called, uh, talked about miracles and healing, wrote a book on great faith. And the irony was, is he ended up dying. And he, he, I remember at his funeral, he was a big golfer and on his golf balls had his famous saying that he had on it. He said, no matter what happens, we win. The problem with most people is, is they view death as a loss and not realizing that whether you die at 80 or 90 or you die younger, death to the Christian is going from one dimension to the next. It's not failure. It's not final. Are you hearing me today? God, listen, if God gave life, God doesn't take it. He just transfers it from one dimension to the next. So we serve a God that believes that can do anything. But many people write God off because they say, well, bad things happen in the world. The fact that you acknowledge there's bad means there is a good. And ladies and gentlemen, there would not be a good if there was not a God. Are you hearing me today? I feel like preaching before I'm preaching. 
All right, I better stick to, stick to my plan here. If you got your Bible, go to Acts chapter 12. We're starting a new series today called The Impossible. The Impossible. Anybody believe that God does? How many believe that in Russia and the Ukraine, God can do the impossible? Anybody believe even in California, God can do the impossible? Who believes the church can do something great in our lifetime? If you can't clap to any of that, I'd like to remind you they do call us believers. Some of you ain't believing for much. Somebody's tell your face you're happy this morning. Looks like your neck threw up. Come on, just upset this morning. All right, got your Bible. Acts chapter 12 is where we're turning. We're going to start a series called The Impossible, and I've been praying the last couple weeks, and really, I feel like the two probably greatest messages to the church, uh, obviously through Jesus, is the idea that we need to pray and we need to have faith. These are really the two components of living a great life with God, is we become people of prayer and we become people of faith. Usually when you lack faith, you lack prayer, and if you lack Prayer, you usually lack faith. Prayer and your Bible go hand in hand. If you don't read your Bible, it's going to be hard to pray. You don't pray, it's going to be hard to read your Bible. It's amazing how the Christian life is connected to this book. Can I get a witness? I'll be honest. I've had seasons that I've done really well of being close to God, reading and praying. I've had seasons that I've drifted and I've ran on yesterday's encounters. But I want you to know that God told the children of Israel to gather daily bread because God wants us to have daily encounters. You guys ready to go? So I'm excited for today. Uh, if you have your Bible, Acts chapter 12 is where we're turning. It's a new series called The Impossible. I want to talk to you today about impossible request. Impossible request. I don't know if you've ever asked God to do something that was impossible. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to try. A couple years ago, we prayed an impossible prayer. Lord, we're pastors. Help us to buy a house in Orange County. That's a big fee right there. That's hard for anybody. You got to make about $2 million a year to buy a house here. I'm like, I don't make $2 million a year. I'm like, Lord, give us a good deal. And God came through. Last year, we were able to buy a house. Right? It's miraculous for us. That was a modern-day miracle. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open us. Getting a house was up there on the list. And uh, great miracle. But I do believe that God is asking us what we want. I just heard this, this idea, God just kind of summonsing, kind of prodding, poking. You know what I'm grateful for? In times of adversity, it reminds people what life is about. It's funny how right now the world is all in agreement. Man, Russia should be free. Like, we should just leave. There should be peace. Like, let's stop fighting. Like, most people would agree, like, we don't like war. We like peace. And it's crazy that it's in times of adversity or even injustice or seeming injustice, whatever's going on in the world, that people rally around what matters. It's crazy that before 911 and the two towers were hit by airplanes, the, the, the nation was just as divided as it's ever been. But after those towers were hit, it was crazy how that act of terrorism united a divided land. It's crazy that in, in turmoil, in tribulation, in persecution, in dark times, it's wild how God has a way of unifying people. This is what matters. And I believe that God wants to do the impossible, but I hear him asking us today, what is your request? What do you want? Tap your neighbor and say, what do you want? 
And I'm going to talk a little bit about this today. If you have your Bible, let's look at what the early church wanted. It says in chapter 12, a couple verses here we'll read. Now about that time, Herod the king. Which king? He stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. He was harassing the church. So you have the government harassing the church. Uh, it says that, that, that he took with a sword. He, he killed James, the brother of, of John, with the sword, one of the sons of Zebedee. And it pleased, he saw that it pleased the Jews, so he proceeded also to seize Peter also. So they arrested him, they gave him four squads of soldiers, and in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison by not one, not two, not three, but four squads. It's a lot of squads. But it says this, he was kept in prison, but, say it with me, but. How many know the but is important in the Bible? You gotta get your butt in the right place, one scholar said. But. But constant prayer, constant prayer. I think if this was a modern day story of most churches in America, they would have said, but one prayer meeting was called. And the church prayed for six minutes. They said, God is good, God is great. Thank you for this food, amen. They prayed, prayed once, but watch what the early church did. It says constant prayer was offered to God for Peter by the church. Constant prayer was offered to God for Peter by the church. Say it with me. Offered who? To? For Peter. By who? And when Herod was about to bring him out, this is like oh, double overtime. It's so close to Peter dying. This is crazy. While Peter was still sleeping, I believe prayer has a way of reaching people that are sleeping. He was sleeping, bound with two chains, not the rapper there. Come on. Between two soldiers and the guards before the door, they were keeping him in prison. Now, behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, a light shone in prison, struck Peter on the side, raised him up. Prayer has a way of waking things up. Yeah. Said this, arise quickly. His chains fell off his feet. Then the angel said to him, watch this, gird yourself up, tie on your tevas. Come on, strap up the Birkenstocks. It's time to run. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. Preacher, pause. Notice this, that even answered prayers require a cooperation. Many people are doing no work because they're praying or they're working and not praying. It is not one or the other. It is both. And there's a collaboration here with God saying, all right, follow me. You tie your shoes. You run out for me, but I will lead the way. But Peter thought he was seeing what was happening was, was, was fake or it wasn't real. He thought it was a, a vision he was seeing. And when they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads out of the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Let's just stop there. That's wild. No electricity back then. A giant iron gate opened up without anybody touching it. That would be borderline creepy. Can we be honest? It opened up. Immediately the angel departed from him. He got out to the street. Peter came to himself. He realized, oh, my gosh. Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod and from the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered these things, he came to the house of Mary, John Mark's mama, right? Where they were gathered, where they were gathered together praying. It says, we're many. Say with me, many. many. The early church didn't have five grandmas in the prayer meeting. I am grateful for praying grandmas. I am a byproduct of a praying grandma. But I believe that when the early church caught fire, it wasn't some, it was many. I am grateful that we are a praying church. You come Tuesdays and Thursdays, you will see hundreds of people. We ran out of chairs this week at San Juan. 
at 10 a.m. Most of our church doesn't work. Praying. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we are a praying church. We pray the rest of the week, but that's what we pray together. And it says that many were praying in John Mark's mom's house, in Mary's house. And it says, and as they were praying, Peter knocked at the door of the gate. A girl named Rhoda came and answered it. She recognized Peter's voice, and, and her, because of her gladness, she didn't even open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But notice the church that had great faith, saw signs, wonders, and miracles, actually saw other people get out of jail by angelic escort. Look at how they, this moment, this is a funny, Luke captures a funny moment here. She's like, Peter's here. And they said, you're beside yourself. She's like, no, for real, he's outside. I heard his voice. They're like, maybe it's his angel. It's funny, sometimes we don't really believe what we're praying for. Why are they praying? God, save Peter. God, please don't let Peter die like James. God, add years to Peter's life. It's impossible to make a way. And they are asking God for the very thing they see and hear, but they still don't believe. But Peter continued knocking. It's funny that they, they spent all night knocking on the door of heaven for him. Now he spent the whole night knocking on their door to come in the prayer meeting. And again, when they opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. But motioning to them with his hands, shh, he declared to them, the Lord brought him out of the prison. He said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed went to another place. The Bible says that King Herod was so ticked off that Peter got out miraculously that he killed the guards that were supposed to be watching him. So, uh, and, uh, incidentally, right after this, you read a little bit further on, about five verses later, the angel that delivered Peter out of prison took care of King Herod, actually assassinated King Herod. So I've learned this, that God has control of, come on, everything. I don't think the early church was praying that Herod would die, but they were praying, God, please help your people. Does that make sense? We're supposed to pray for Paul. No, 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 no. Let's not get dark. But we are supposed to pray that God's agenda would be done. You guys ready? Let's talk about impossible requests today. Is that all right? Say it with me. Impossible requests. Father, I pray today that, 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 your, that your Holy Spirit would fill this tent, fill those that are watching online. I pray that you would give us radical, ridiculous, large faith. We shake off anything that's not of faith. You said that whatever is not of faith is sin. So I pray right now that you would enlarge our faith, grow our faith, give us great faith, even the gift of faith. We ask, we ask you this morning even for mountain-moving faith. We shake off the, the, the losses of yesterday, God, even the defeats of our past, past days. And I pray today that you would do a new thing. God, I pray today that we'd be people that know you big, see you big, ask for big, and that, God, we would follow you in a big way. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We pray you bless today in Jesus' name. We believe you can do the impossible if you believe it. Come on, shout amen. Come on. Say a good amen. Amen? Just thinking about impossible requests. I don't know if you've ever been to Starbucks with, a, uh, with your wife. Speaking of impossible requests, I'll be honest, man. It's easier to memorize books of the Bible than it is to remember my wife's order at a local coffee shop. I can't remember the amount of pumps, the type of syrup, sweeteners, foam, no foam, extra foam, some calories, no calories. Make it with happiness and expectations. I think today you'd be a barista at a coffee shop. You got to be a borderline rocket scientist. 
I always see a sigh of relief when I just say, I want a latte. It's like, finally, someone that has a normal order. I grew up in the era of Folgers in your cup. Come on. It was the best part of waking up. Then we got Keurigs, got a little more fancy. Then we got Nespresso's that last for about three weeks. I burned through three espressos. Nespresso's. N- non-working sos. I was, uh, I was thinking about how there's just some things that are hard to remember. Some things that are hard to request. I was thinking about, uh, when I was thinking about difficult requests, it reminded me of going to a normal restaurant with my two vegetarian sister-in-laws. You want to see a stressful environment? Preach, you better remember where you're at today. I know I'm in Orange County. But I'm telling you, it is, a, it is quite the chore to have a vegetarian. I have two vegetarian sister-in-laws. And they're like, yeah, I want that salad, but I don't want anything that normally comes on it. I want to know where this lettuce was raised. Did it have friends? Is there GMOs? Is there any type of other O's, X's and O's? Did it have a peaceful cutting? I got these crazy sister. I love them. I love them. <clears throat> Sister-in-law. It's always, it's always challenging. I always apologize to the server in advance. I'm like, all right, hey, I want you to give you a good tip. Don't spit in our food. <laughs> Difficult orders. I'm, I'm shocked nowadays at all these drinks that have no calories. Is anybody else kind of amazed by this? Zevias and all these carbonated flavored fruit drinks. It's like there's zero calories, there's zero carbs, zero sodium, zero sugars, zero proteins. Like, what is this made out of? Happiness that's flavored? It's difficult nowadays. There's impossible requests. We want, we want things. Sometimes we got difficult, tall orders. I mean, some of you, when you were single, you had, a, you had an impossible request. I want someone that looks like Brad Pitt that has, come on, Elon Musk checking account. Pastor Rochelle's prayerfulness. You got a difficult request. I'm telling you that you got these, these things. We, we make these large-scale requests. And I think a lot, a lot of life is about what you see in God and what you believe God can do in you. I actually believe that what you request in life from God reveals how large you see God. I think if we're being honest with you, most people don't really request anything from God because they don't see any value in God. We have atheist people here today that don't believe that God can heal, save, deliver, make a difference. You think God can really change my heart, preacher? And I do believe that the God you see is the God that you get. Many people don't ask for things. But it's interesting that throughout the Bible, God always used this, this phrase, what do you want? I believe that God has no issues with us bringing large requests to him. Psalms 2 says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. God has no problem with with kids that ask big. I think the problem is, is most kids don't see their father as a big God. I was thinking about this story in the light of what's going on in Russia, in the Ukraine, of what's going on in America. We're in this weird, I feel like 2020 hit and we entered into the twilight zone. We started calling bad things good, good things bad. We lost our logic, our reason. We stopped fearing God and wisdom evaporated. We don't know what science, we can't trust the science. Science doesn't know what's male, what's female anymore. 
We don't know simple things anymore. We lost our way. Are you hearing me today? You say that in church, we're going to go there today. I'm telling you that we live in a really confused, very, very foggy time in history that's like, man, what is going on? Are we living in the last days? Jesus said in the end times there'll be wars and there'll be rumors of wars. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be confusion at time. And if we're not careful, we will forget what we are living for. Am I living just to get a paycheck? No, you're, giving, you're living to make a difference. I'm not here to make a living. I'm here to make a difference. People get mistaken in life. What is my purpose? Is the purpose of life to marry a model, to buy a big house, to get famous, to become wealthy, to actually travel the world? If that was the sole purpose of life, Hollywood in Orange County would be the happiest place in the world. But the irony is, is Orange County has the highest divorce rate in America. So you're saying good looks, money, and success do not give us fulfillment. No. And that's what Hollywood doesn't show you in their little movies. The Notebook. Come on, show the rest of the movie. We got all these fairy tales showing how we fall in love, show how we live this crazy American dream, but we don't show the American struggles. You can't out-success your way in life. And I'll tell you right now, whether you find them at the top or at the bottom, you come to a point in life that all of us have this cosmic question asked to us by God, what do you want? What is your request? What do you seek? And many of you have no idea that God right now is asking you this question. What do you really want? You just want to just retire? You want to golf the rest of your life? Is that really all you want? You want to just get married? Is that really all you just want to have some kids? Is that all you? I'm not saying any of that stuff is bad. I'm just saying that there is a deeper, bigger question that God has asked people throughout the halls of history. What do you, what do you, what's your request? And I'll tell you right now that some people that were asked that had great responses. Solomon was a young king, and in a dream, God said, what do you want? He said, God, I don't, I don't need money. I don't need fame. I don't need the heads of my enemies. I don't need a bunch, of, a bunch of treasure. What I do need, I'm a young king. I need wisdom. I want to lead people well. God was so touched by his response. He said, not only am I going to give you what you asked for, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. Because you answered that question so well. There was other people that didn't have the same fortune. You have the two disciples of John the Baptist that were standing there when John pointed at him in his Urban Outfitters outfit and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They were so enamored by this idea, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. They came to Jesus. Jesus turned at the two young men, Andrew being one of them, and says, What do you want? And Andrew's like, Uh, where you stand? Worst request ever. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> just want to follow you somewhere. Where, where, where are you staying? And they end up following. He's like, come and see. Come and see. What do you want? Esther knew what she wanted when the king, King Xerxes said, what do you want? She said, I want the lives of my nation. I want you to spare Jews from genocide. She had a big request. She had a targeted request. She had a strategic request. I wonder how many times God knocks on our door and we don't know what to ask for. We face challenges and adversity. What do you do when the world's at war? You gotta know what to knock on the doors of heaven for. What do you want, early church? 
The early church was faced with the same dilemma. We know that throughout the Bible, people ask God for things. That God came and said, what do you want? We know that one, one prophet named Elijah was asked by a younger prophet named Elisha. He said, what do you want? And Elisha, Elisha asked him, what do you, uh, uh, asked, uh, Elijah asked him, what do you want? And the younger prophet said, I'll tell you what I want. I want a double portion. Elijah said, that's a big request. I lived a pretty amazing life. But notice that even hard requests are easy with God. And before the chariot would take Elijah to heaven, the Bible would record that double the miracles of Elijah were done in the life of Elisha. Can I get a witness in here? What do you want? James and John, they said, he said, what do you want? They said, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand in the next life. Jesus goes, you don't know what you're asking for right now. What do you want? Are you following me today? Nehemiah, when he, when he had the king look at him, the king said, what do you want? Why are you sad? He said, my city is in ruins. Give me the command. Give me the resources and the blessing to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra was the same way. What do you want? He knew what he wanted. They knew their request. The two blind men stood at Jesus. They said, please. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And they gave him the obvious answer. We want to see. Of course you do. I wonder what they could have got if they would have asked bigger. As though it wasn't obvious, you want to see. I believe that it's important to know today what it is we are asking God to do. What do you mean, preacher? I mean this. The early church, I want you to capture this, uh, this picture here. The early church goes under crazy persecution. They kill Saul and uh, they call, excuse me, they kill Stephen. Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7, all this, this persecution breaks out in the church. Saul gets radically converted in Acts chapter 9. We fast forward to Acts chapter 12 where we're reading. And one of the, the, the brothers of John and James, the sons of Zebedee, some of the OG followers of Jesus, J J J James, there he is. <laughs> there you are, James. James is arrested by King Herod. He's actually killed with a sword. The king realizes that it pleases the Jewish population that thought Christianity was a cult. And he goes, okay, you, that makes you happy? I'm going to make you even more happy. I'm going to arrest the top dog of the church. That he, he seizes Peter, gives him four squads of guards to, to, to guard him in prison. And he's chained up to two people in the inner part of the prison. And guess what I, I read about the church here that's, that intrigues me? That when bad news happened in the world, the church was not apathetic. I wonder what will be written today that happened in our context. Would it say that we would rally in constant prayers would be made for Ukraine? That constant prayers will be made for Russia. That constant prayers will be made for America. That constant prayers will be for the peace of Jerusalem. I wonder if we were being recorded today, would we be like the early disciples? Notice they weren't apathetic. We have too many Christians there that say, well, pray if God, God's will will be done. It happens. If it's not supposed to be done, it won't happen. Here's the problem with that. We don't pray one-off prayers and go, whatever happens, happens. That is lazy Christianity. Jesus says to knock and keep on knocking, to ask and to keep on asking, to seek and to keep on seeking. He refers to prayer as a woman that wants justice, daily wearing the judge down. It says the judge didn't fear God, the judge didn't care about the lady, but he was so sick of the persistence of the woman that he gave her justice. Prayer is not a one-off 
event. It is a consistent, constant, perpetual knocking. Are you hearing me today? So many of us, we were taught, ask once. Well, I voted for Pedro and my wildest dreams didn't come true. We don't vote one time in prayer. Well, I prayed one time, God, if you want me to be free, make me free. If not, I'm going to live with my pornography addiction the rest of my life. We don't pray one-off prayers. That's why Paul said to fight the good fight of... It's a fight. He doesn't say sleep the good, good sleep of faith. Take the good nap of faith. Relax the good relax of faith. He says it's a fight. Why is it a fight to walk and live in faith? Because there's a real devil that wants to put you to sleep through apathy. That's why Hebrews 6.12 says not to be complacent concerning the promises of God. But through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Can I get an amen? That's what we do. We wear the devil down by constant prayer. I'd like to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that James died. He was cut. His head was removed from his body. And there was zero hope that Peter would ever make it out of this prison. But the early church did not believe in the impossible. They believed in God's impossibilities to do things. They believed that if they would pray earnestly, that God could possibly change the outcome. The irony was, is that even though they had great faith, when Peter knocked, they didn't believe. But that's okay. Because it's okay to have great faith in a, in a dabble and doubt because we're all human. I'm grateful that Peter captured that story. And by the way, if you're an atheist, don't believe in the Bible. Here's another one of those weird problems you have. That why would you capture a heroic story of Peter being this hero that, that gets miraculously rescued by an angel and insert a weird story that makes the church look stupid? Wow. We're constantly praying all night. Many of us in Mary's house, everyone's fired up. And then lo and behold, Luke goes, yeah, there's a girl named Rhoda. She answered the door. She heard the voice. She ran in and said, God answered your prayers. And, and everyone said, you're out of your mind. You don't record stories like that in artificial books. By the way, while you're on that theme, you don't make women the hero of the, of the New Testament when women can't even, uh, they can't even testify in the court of law. Women weren't even allowed to get educated to read and to write. If you're writing a fictitious book, you don't make Mary, the, Mary Magdalene the first eyewitness of the resurrection. There are so many things that are just off. If you're going, this is a fake book. It's not a fake book, friends. It's not a fake book. There is books that have far less literature on it. Do you know there's more, there's more original text of the Bible? There's like over 24,000 original documents from the first century about the Bible, which is about 50 times more than any other ancient book. It's not a fictitious, artificial book. It's a, it's a factual book. Are you with me today? So the early church was not whatever it is. It is what it is. That is the American idiom today for most Christianity. Well, your, your parents are alcoholics. You'll probably be one too. It is what it is. Your parents got divorced. Good chance you're going to get divorced. It is what it is. You, just, oh, you're, you grew up in a brokenness. You're going to be like that the rest of your life. It is what it is. You were born with gender confusion. It just is what it is. Give into it. You were born like this. Just give it. You were angry. You were fearful. You were anxious. You're depressed. Yeah, you just, that it is what it is. The problem here is, is that nowhere in Bible does it say that we're supposed to not contend for change. If that was the case, the early church would have said, let's start planning a funeral. But we don't find people planning a funeral. 
we, we find a church constantly praying, saying, God, you can save. God, you will save. God, add days to Peter's life. We, we, we see an early church that knows how to ask. And when they ask, they ask. Come on, say it with me. Big. Many times we live in a, a, a church today, in a Christian world today, that asks for small things. We ask God to bless our food. That's all right. But God can do more than bless your food. He can bless your life. We pray these creepy prayers with our kids. Can we be honest? There's some creepy prayers that some of us prayed growing up. I remember my parents had good intentions, but they prayed a creepy prayer with me when I was a kid. They waited until the lights were off, and they prayed, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's creepy. If I should die, I'm five years old, Mom. I'm going to live. Before I wake, the, I pray the Lord my soul. I'm five. Let's not talk about souls to take. Freaked out of my mind. After that, she's like, good night, honey. I'm like, I have nightmares now. <laughs> Creepy prayers. I believe that God wants us to ask and ask big. Why? Because I believe the size of what you believe God for is how big you reveal that you, you see God as. Well, let me give you some ideas about this. Ask, say it with me, ask big. The Bible says to ask for anything. This is what Jesus said. Ask for anything in, in my name to the Father. And he says that your joy may be full. This is wild. There's all these. I'm not saying we name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. Here's the problem. Is many people have a reactive theology. Which means this. Because we saw abuse in one area, we write off everything. That would be like going to Jack in a Box, getting sick from one of their tacos and saying, tacos make you sick. The devil is a liar. That jack-in-the-box might have had one employee that didn't wash his hands, but that does not mean that there is not all taco makers are going to make you sick. Come on, can I get a Lupe's amen up in this place? There is some good tacos that will, come on, goodness and mercy will overtake you all the days of your life. You still with me today? What are you saying? I'm saying that we got we to gotta understand that there is power in what we're willing to ask God for. James, the brother of Jesus, most scholars agree on, says in James 4, 2, that you have not because you ask not. Matthew 7, 11 says your heavenly father will give you good things to those who ask him. Matthew 7, 8 says everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says if, you, if we ask anything according to God's will, we will have what we ask. James 1, 6 says when you ask, ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the lord we know that that john 16 24 says ask and you will receive that your joy may be full that was jesus john 15 7 if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you john 14 are you with me today 14 14 if you ask anything in my name jesus said i will will do it mark 11 24 whatever things you ask when you pray believe that you will receive them and you will have them matthew 18 19 if two of you agree on earth concerning say with me anything how many know what anything is it actually translate anything and it says this on anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can. What does God go above? 
God will always exceed your ask. Well, I never ask God for anything. I ask him to bless my food. God can do more than bless your food. God can do more than bless your dreams. God can do more than bless your kids. How about not just praying for God to make you safe, but how about to make God make you dangerous? God, I want you to fill me with your light, your power, your authority, your anointing. I want to be used by you. Here's what I do know, though. If you want to live a life that asks for big things, we have to speak it out. The word of faith is in our mouths, the Bible says. Know what we want when we are in the presence of God and then go after it. Say it with me. Ask big. I believe there's impossible things that we ask for. I know right now that we're, we, we're, in, we're in this time period, there's wars, there's rumors of wars, but I'm telling you that we are getting closer to the end of the age, and guess what? We have a job to do. The end is closer than ever before. we got to love the hell out of the world. Can I get an amen? We need power from on high. We need to wait for it and, and, and pray for it. We need to receive the Holy Spirit so that we can hit the streets from nations to neighborhoods with the only news that's good enough to transform the human heart. We change earth by asking for the nations to be saved while modeling to our families what it looks like when Jesus is in charge of our personal lives. Jesus loving families alter blocks we live on, cities that we're raising our kids in, for with God, praying a life with God, nothing will be impossible. Mark, there's a lot of impossibilities. Yeah, the Bible's full of them. How about this? It's the book of the impossible. God saved the world with a floating zoo. God caused senior citizens, uh, a senior home, to turn into a maternity ward. God called, caused the Red Sea to be a walk on the beach. He caused water to flow from walks, bread to come from heaven, giants to fall down by red-headed homeschool boys. He caused 300 to annihilate 33,000 with Gideon. He called down fire on wet altars. He caused the sun to stand still. He revived the dead, added 15 years to the terminally ill, caused the withered hand to be re restored, caused the paralyzed to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lepers to be healed, the barren to give birth, to stormed to calm, and the water to walk, and the demons to be evicted. We serve a God that does... He does the impossible. Well, I don't believe in that anymore. I'm telling you right now, the problem with not believing for God to move today requires zero faith. And while we're talking about the impossible, how about Hebrews 11:6? For without faith, it is to do what? Please God. Do you know the only thing that's impossible is to please God without faith? You know why some of you are having a hard time connecting with God? Because you're living with zero faith. It is what it is. It isn't what it is. If it is what it is, we got to find a new God to worship. Jesus isn't big enough to get us out of our darkness. We're serving the wrong light. I got news for you. There is a God that conquered hell, death, and the grave. He'll get you out of darkness, dysfunction. Are you hearing me today? If you believe it, come on, give him a 10-second hand clap. We serve a God that can do... Come on, give him a shout if you believe it. problem is we lost sight of what we believe he can do the early church was convinced god can make a way for peter to get out my my question to you is do you believe that we can make impossible requests bring peace in times of war heal what is broken in our land i don't know if you know that verse out of second chronicles uh uh 7 rochelle cited it if my people would humble themselves they would pray they would turn from their wicked ways he said that i would hear from heaven I would heal their lands. 
problem is, is all great moves of God start with a nucleus of people that start to pray. We fail to pray. We fail to see God awaken lands and cities. I would say that most of you are in this tent today because someone that prayed for you. Can we agree? How many would say, I'm here because of a praying mom, praying dad, praying grandma, praying grandpa? Come on, lift your hands if you, if you know that today. I would say those of you that don't have your hand up, you probably had a praying neighbor, a praying coworker. Katie shared her story, her friend Brooke. Brooke prayed for Katie when they were in high school. God sent her to Boise, Idaho, to the church I was at. Don't tell me that prayers don't change things. Louis Giglio said, if we knew what happened when we pray, we would never stop praying. Ian Bounds says, it is, the, it is the mouth of men that move the hands of God. We are a praying people. Praying is one of the greatest things you can do with your life. Dr. Young E. Cho, largest church in the history of the world, 870,000 members. South Korea was the most prayerful church I've ever heard of. They own a mountain called Prayer Mountain. Thousands of people, 24 hours a day, for the last 50, 60 years, have been praying on Prayer Mountain. One time the government asked him, they said, are you scared that North Korea is going to invade South Korea? He says, no, we've disarmed them in prayer. I believe prayer is what neuters the plans of the enemy. Can I get an amen? We are a praying church. And I believe that today your prayers are mighty in God for the casting down of strongholds and arguments. God can change things in the heavenlies. I would remind you of James 5, 14 and 15. Elijah was a man with a nature like you and like me. He had bad days, but he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain in the land for three years. And in six months, I believe it was. Three, over three and a half years. And he prayed again and heavens gave rain. Listen to me. Prayer can change weather patterns. Prayer can change diagnosis. It says that King Hezekiah turned to the wall and he prayed, God, please give me more years. And God added 15 years to his life. God hears desperate prayers. God heard the prayers of King Jehoshaphat's uh, choir singing. God, God, God did some of his greatest work in the hour of prayer. Acts 1, they said, God, who do we pray to replace Judas? And they selected a man. Acts 2, they were, they were in an upper room praying for power from on high. Acts 3, they were going to a prayer meeting when Peter and John healed a guy that never walked. Acts 6, they said, let's separate some of our, our key leaders so we can give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Acts 9, Paul on the road to Damascus has an encounter, and the first thing he does on the street called Straight is he's praying. It fails. I, I don't have time to get into Acts 16. That, that they were actually on the way, Paul and Silas, to a prayer meeting when the demon-possessed girl gets liberated. That they were in prison in Acts 16 when Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. And God shook the prison. Everyone got free. I tell you today, Acts 28, Paul brought everyone on the island of Malta to him, and he prayed, and everyone got healed. Prayer changes the climate of earth. Yeah, I love the golf clap. My mom's here. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom, for clapping. Mom's got my back. We're going to be a praying church. I want to be audacious today. I would say this. We will never pray less than we pray right now. We're going to be a church that prays more every year. I'll be honest with you. This can, Call me legalistic. I'm telling you, you pray an hour a day, something supernatural happens. 
I dare you to pray in the spirit for 30 minutes and pray with your English for another 30. You will go to a level of revelation and knowledge and wisdom. People say, Mark, where did you get some of this stuff? I pray in the spirit. I pray with my understanding. And I, there are seasons of my life that I pray an hour a day, more than that. And I'm telling you, something supernatural happens when you spend time with God. That's legalistic. I'm, just, I'm saved by grace. Yeah, you're saved by grace. But you're also saved for some good works. And you ain't doing anything good if you ain't prayed up. Can we be honest today? You got no gas in your tank. Prayer is the fuel that gets you from point A to point B. You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying that I would be number one, a friend of God. You know what my request is? You know what's impossible? This is crazy. God, I'm human. But would you please, can I please be a friend of God? Some of you today, they make up your mind who you're going to be friends with. Because the Bible says in James, it says, you don't want to be a friend of the world. I thought Jesus was a friend of the world. No, Jesus was a friend of people in the world. But he was not a friend of the systems of the world. There is a difference. Some of you are friends with the systems of the world and not the people of the world. I want to love the people but reject its systems. I don't need its materialism, its greed, its perversion, its alcohol addictions. I don't need its sexual perversions. I don't need its, its greed. Are you hearing me today? I want Jesus. Yeah. James says that where do, where do wars come from? He said it's desires in you. It's lust in you. You're asking for things that God doesn't want you to have. When I ask, I want to ask for God's stuff. God, I want to be, number one, your friend. Can I get an amen? Who wants to be a friend of God? 13 people in Orange Who wants to be God's friend? Abraham was a friend of God. Mark Francie was a friend of God. Paul Wolf was a friend of God. Jesse Gold, friend of God. Are you hearing me today? Mike and Lester, a friend of God. I believe the greatest thing that someone could put on your tombstone one day is a friend of God. Your little, your little passion, that's all right. People remember passionate people. You know who's not remembered? Critics. I can tell you about Charles, Sp Charles Spurgeon. I can talk to you about John Wesley. I can talk to you about the great revivals in history. You know what's recorded? The revivals. You know what's not recorded? The critics. I can name all their names. We don't know their names. We know the people that did stuff with God. I can tell you about Joshua and Caleb. You know who you don't know? The 10 people that didn't believe. We are going to be a church that believes that God can do the impossible. If you believe it, come on, give me a hand clap and a shout. Feels a little bit of faith rising in Orange County today. We're going to believe that we can be God's friends. We're also going to ask God, Lord, would you please live in me and through me? By the way, who are God's friends? According to John 15, he said, my friends are those that do the will. They do what I say. You want to be a friend of God? Listen to his voice. You want to be a friend of God? Listen to his voice. He said, I'll tell you who my friends are. Those that do what I say. John 15, 14. Enoch did what God said. Noah did what God said. Moses did what God said. Esther did what God, are you hearing me today? Said. Peter, James, John did what God said. Friends of God do what God leads them to do. I'll be honest, it's usually not convenient. It's usually not what you want to do. And I'll be honest, this is the mark of true Christianity. If you're doing stuff that you don't want to do because God's telling you to do it. I don't want to be generous. Well, buy their groceries anyways. Fine, it's your money, God. Whatever. If I'm tight this month, it's on you. Go talk to that guy. I was at the, we were at uh, went to San Diego this this week for a couple of days with my girls, and uh, 
we were at a fashion, whatever, Island Valley, whatever fashion there was in San Diego. It's an outdoor mall, and uh, Rochelle and the girls were at this little thing, and I had to take something back, and so I'm walking by this little kiosk outside. They sell crystals and stuff, kind of a new agey type of kiosk, and I'm walking by, and all I hear is, yeah, my wife and I are Satanist, and I'm like, oh, that's intriguing, and so I, I stop by the little crystal booth, and uh, I'm listening on the other side of the booth, young couple, probably about my age, maybe a little younger than me. Problem was that little girl, and it's like oh, it, it really it's hard enough to hear their story, but to hear that they're raising a little girl in that environment took it to the next level for me. So I'm listening, and they're, they're trying to, to justify, they're like, No, we're Satanists, but it's not like we don't like sacrifice babies and do that kind of stuff. We just do what we want, when we want, how we want. It's like kind of anarchy. We have full control of our lives, blah 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 blah. So she's telling the owner of the kiosk, and then all of a sudden, this new age girl that works at the kiosk she sees because they both have these like pentagram necklaces on and she goes what's your necklace mean and they say oh we're saying this and they're really proud about it and the new age girl starts jumping up and down all excited and like where are we at right now it's like the weirdest episode of life i've ever seen and um i'm just like i'm bothered i'm sad i'm upset i'm i'm i'm, I'm like i don't know oh my god what do i do and i start to walk away and i start walking back towards rochelle i listened to it for probably five minutes stared at these crystals way too long and um, I start walking back to Rochelle and she calls me and I said she's like where you been I'm like I've been listening to this conversation young married couple little girl babe and this little girl is like ah, I just I gotta do something about it so I'm like I'll be back so I went back and um, I started a conversation with Jimmy Jimmy talked to me for 15 minutes without breathing could not get a word in but I'm telling you right now I believe what Christians do is we ask God for what to do we asked him to give it we asked him to give us the words to say we asked him for the light to shine and the salt to season so i'm listening to jimmy i'm listening to his story i'm paying attention to what he's sharing with me and the whole time he's talking to me i'm saying holy spirit what do you want me to say to jimmy finally i got a i got a little break there when he took a deep breath and i jumped in and i said jimmy i can identify with your story i was raised in darkness i'm from palmdale lancaster i grew up in a dark environment i did the drugs that you did I, I slept with girls like I, I lived the same lifestyle that you lived. I said, honestly, I didn't want to go to church. I had no desire for God. But my dad got remarried, remarried and his second wife started going to this church in Idaho and he forced me to go to this stupid church camp. And I went reluctantly, a bunch of hyper spooky people singing songs, Jimmy. Music wasn't even good, I'm being honest. I said, but here's my problem. At the beginning of that, I said, God, if you really are real, show me. And I prayed this kind of stupid prayer, Jimmy, but that one prayer changed my life. I said that night, it was better than sex, it was better than drugs, it was better than snowboarding, it was better than anything I've ever done before. I said the power of the Most High God overshadowed me. I laid on the ground for an hour and a half under the power of the living God. I got up with a new heart, a washed mind, and a high call. I said, Jimmy, here's the problem. You don't want to serve a second-class power. You want the living God, the true God. I said, will you let me pray for you? I, in front of the new age girl, in front of the owner of the kiosk, and with his wife and daughter in the bathroom, I began to pray for Jimmy. He said, yes, pray for me. Prayed for Jimmy for about seven minutes without breathing. Prayed, I'm, I'm prophesying over Jimmy. I'm declaring that he's gonna be a preacher of righteousness, that God has a plan and a future for his family, that God's gonna lead him out of the darkness into his friends of God. Do what God says. Problem is, we don't ask big because we don't see God big. 
some Christians will be scared they're Satanists. I want to remind you that who's the boss? It's a little devil that fits under your feet. We serve a God that fills the heavens and the earth. We don't run from darkness. We attack it with love. I'll tell you, my, my request is, God, can I be your friend? God, can you live in and through me? Galatians 2.20 is not this American Christianity to live your best life. It's the opposite. It's saying, God, would you crucify my current life? I want to die to Mark Francie's wicked, old, perverted desires. And I want the desires of Christ to be alive in me. For it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live, I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I get a good amen? Finally, last thing I'm going to pray. God, can you please, here's my big request. Can you make my life count for eternity? I'll be honest, God's not going to be amazed by the size of your house, size of your biceps, how good looking your spouse is, how much jewelry you own, what you drive. That's all. I'm not, I'm not against stuff. I'm just telling you that stuff doesn't impress God. What will matter in eternity is what we did for eternity. You're not taking any of your stuff with you. Never seen a uh, hearse with a couple U-Hauls behind it. Taking stuff to heaven with you. The world says whoever dies with the most toys wins. Uh, wrong. He who dies with the most souls impacted. He who wins souls is wise. That's who wins. And I believe that you have two things you can't do in heaven. You can't tell people about Jesus that don't know him. And you can't sin. One of those reasons is why you're still sucking air. Y'all with me? Can you make my life count for eternity? My prayer for Ocean Churches is that we will be a church that sees the impossible, does the impossible. And I want you to write this phrase down. God gave it to me last night when I was praying for you. He said that if we're going to make our life count for eternity, I want you to get your Bible if you have it. If it's on your phone, put your phone in the air. If you have a Bible, put it in the air. I'm telling you right now that we'll never do great things for eternity if we don't see it, we don't say it, we don't believe it, and we don't act on it. Say it with me. See it, say it, believe it, act on it. Say it again. See it, say it, believe it, act on it. I want to let you know today, friends, this book was not written to tell you what God has done. It was written to inspire us to what God can continue to do. This is not some ancient, dusty history book about great people 2,000 years ago. It's a, it's a roadmap. It is the owner's manual to modern-day life that what Jesus did in Galilee, the Spirit of Jesus will still do today. We're called to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. We're supposed to pray for brokenness to be restored, for the dead to rise, for the blind to see, for those that are lost to be found. This is the God that we're going after. So here's my thought today. What are you asking God for? I'm asking to be his friend. I'm asking that God would live in me and through me. And I'm asking that my life would make a difference for eternity. And while I'm at it, I'm praying that God would give me a marriage that inspires the world. Kids that love Jesus, love the church, and love me. Can I get an amen? If I can do that, I'm going to live a good life. You stand your feet with me today. There is a faith. I can feel it rising. Faith to be healed. We're not going to give up when people need a miracle. Dane's going to get a miracle. Come on, Edgar's going to get a miracle. I'm praying for those that got bad progno prognosis. God is the God that heals the sick, delivers those in trouble, rescues us out of all of our, of our conditions. Come on, if you're here today and you say, Mark, would you pray for me? Would you pray that today God would heal 
or God would deliver. I believe there's two things God's going to do today. We're going to see the impossible done. God's going to heal and God's going to deliver. If you need healing in your body, would you raise your hand? If you need, if you need God to deliver you from a darkness, an addiction, a habit, I want you to raise your hand. I feel freedom. I feel faith in the room today. If you're really serious today that today could be the day that God heals you, today could be the day that you would never again go back to that darkness. I'm going to ask you to be bolder than usual because God told me to do this between the services. I want you to literally get out of your seat. I want you to come to the front. There is something about taking a step of faith. I don't do this every week, but I do feel inclined to do it today. God, I believe that you can heal me. God, I believe that you can deliver me to start walking to the front. Start walk. Don't wait for somebody else. Come on, have some faith. God, I believe. I believe. Come on. Who believes that God can do it today? Half the ten believes. Who believes God can heal today? Save today? Deliver today? Come on, give him a shout of praise if you believe it. Keep coming, keep coming. As we as we come to the front, I want you to start singing this song. I want leaders to come up. I want everyone that's in front today, get someone to lay hands on them. Come on, we're going to see something change. Come on, come on, let's believe. He's changing. Come on, it's breaking right now. It's changing right now. Come on, get hungry. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Something's breaking. Something's changing. Something's shifting as we pray. Something's breaking. Something's changing. Something's shifting. Something's breaking.
to prophesy. Something's changing. Something's shifting. Right now. As we pray. God, even now. Something's breaking. We have. Something's changing. We believe. Something's shifting. As Come we prophesy. pray. Something's breaking. Something's changing. Something's shifting. As we pray. Something's breaking. Something's changing. Something's shifting. As
a shout if you believe something's happening. Who feels something changing right now? Give a shout. Hey, feel it. Sense it. I know it. Miracles happening right now. Miracles happening right now. Miracles happening right now. Come on, stretch your hands towards the, towards the west here. I believe that's where baby Dane is. We declare that he's not going to die, but he's going to live. He's going to live longer. He's going to prosper. He's going to live a full life. We even pray that in the next seven days, that doctors will be shocked at his miraculous recovery. We pray that you would heal his heart. We pray that you would do what doctors and medicine could not do. We pray a creative miracle today over baby Dang. I pray that God, he would be home in seven days. I pray that you would bring him home in seven days. I pray that you would do what no one else could do. Do it faster, do it better. If you believe you can do it, come on, shout amen. Amen. We pray, we pray, we pray. I pray for Levi. He's got a, he's got an issue in his throat. Levi has a condition in his throat. I believe God is healing your throat right now, Levi. There's a Stephanie in here. You have a problem on the inside of your hip. God is healing the inside of your hip right now. I pray, yeah, for Scott today. Scott, you have an issue with your eyes. God is healing your eyes right now, Scott. I pray right now for the guy. There's a lawyer in here. You've been struggling. You've been you, you've done everything you've wanted to do in life, and you're still empty. And God says, come to the waters and drink. And I'll give you a water that does not run dry. I pray today, Lord, this will be a day of salvation. This will be a day that salvation would visit the houses of those far from God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone needs a kidney transplant. And I pray today, Lord, that you would heal a failing kidney. You might even be watching online. I pray that God would heal a failing kidney. I pray like I'm in, they'd have to make a movie about someone that had a kidney that was supposed to be replaced that God restored. Yeah, I believe there's seven people in here that believe that can happen. But I don't need everybody to believe. It says we're two or three hearing. We'll have what we ask. I pray for those that have children that are autistic, those that have Asperger's. I pray that you would heal the mind that doesn't work. The Bible calls them deaf and dumb spirits. I pray you would heal today. I pray doctors would, would diagnose and they would say, we've never seen someone that was on the spectrum come back to this, this normality. I pray that you would give us wise, cunning kids. God, kids that have high IQs, but also have high people and social skills. Heal the mind. There's a few of you here today got divorced recently, went through a tragedy, a trial. You have a broken heart. God says you don't need more money. You need God to heal your heart. Put your hand on your heart today if you have a broken heart. Yeah, I pray God would heal the brokenhearted right now. You feel like your heart's been fractured. Come on, raise your hand today. God's healing a broken heart. He's healing a broken heart. Come on, raise your hand. God's going God's to heal you. You have, to, you have the courage to respond. He's going to heal you today. Put your hand on someone next to you. They have their hand up. Heal a broken heart. Heal a broken heart. There's someone here today. You've been messing with the dark arts. You've done Wicca. You've been involved in the Satanism. God today is going to literally almost see him spraying the bugs out of your soul today almost like a spiritual pest control killer. He's gonna spray that darkness out of your mind and your soul. Eyes closed, this is a holy moment. This is a holy moment. Where are you at? You've been involved with some dark stuff. You say, Mark, I still have some that darkness lingering to me. Raise your hands. Raise your hands right now. The only hands up right now are those that want God to get them out of all the darkness. Raise up real high, thank you. All over, all over, awesome. Yeah, he's liberating right now, watch this. I pray in Jesus' name, boom, right now, touch. Yeah, right now, never the same. Yeah, never the same. 
in the back right now. Someone's hands up next to you. Lay your hands on them right now. Someone's getting free. We're almost done. We're almost done. Healing, healing, healing. Evict in Jesus' name. Feel in Jesus' name. I pray right now. Come on, everybody in the room, everybody in the tent, everybody online. Come on, you want you want God right now. I want to be a friend of God. Just lift your hands towards heaven. I want everyone to pray this prayer today. I want you to invite God in right now. Say, Jesus, I want to be your friend. I ask you to evict any darkness in my spirit and in my soul. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your light. I ask you to heal my body. I ask you to renew my mind. And I ask you to make my life count. Today, I come to you. Full surrender. In Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart. Let him touch you right now. That's real. Some of you, he's watched. I don't do this every Sunday, I promise. But I felt like, almost like a conference level of faith coming into this place. Never apologize for God moving. I will apologize if the service is long and it's boring. But if people are getting healed and set free, I will never apologize for going the long. Listen, he's here, he's moving. Someone in here, you've had like perverted, dark life your whole life. And God right now is washing your mind. The memories, all the, all the hours of darkness that you, you watched on TV, on the internet, all the bad habits you forge in your youth, God is literally washing your minds. Some of you, your, your desire to cuss is going to leave today. How do you know? That's what happened to me. I was in an altar just like this. I got up off the ground and I stopped cussing at 18 years of age. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm just saying that's what happened to me. I lost my desire to cuss. God can change your vocabulary. God can change your mind. Yeah, he's healing today. Would you be favor oceans if you're in the back today? Would you stretch your hands towards in the front? Let's pray for them today. Say, God, we believe that these people are never going to be the same. I'm going to pray for your brothers and sisters. Say, Lord, we believe that you're changing, you're healing, you're delivering. Now, we ask a big prayer that they would come back to their seats a different person, healthier, whole, and on fire for the reality of who you are. Let them know you, love you in a new way, and let the world take notice of it. In Jesus' name. Come on, you believe it. Say amen. Come on, give God a 10-second hand clap and a shout. Hey! 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 See you. Before you head back to your seats, I want to do one last thing. I do this every Sunday. I would just ask you to close your eyes. Last thing we do. I'm sure you already probably prayed this today if this is you, but I want you to, I want to have a definitive moment that you and I know that it was connected to, 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 to February 27th, second service, when the service went about 20 minutes long, that it was that Sunday that I, I made a definitive decision to rededicate my life to God or for the first time put my faith in Jesus. If that's you today, all over Oceans Church, online, I'm out of time. If you're online, you're going to write heart in the chat. On Facebook, YouTube. If you're in the tent, I'm asking you to raise your hand. No one's looking. You can start putting your hands up right now if you want. I already feel like there's hands going up. But if you're here and you say, I want to rededicate my life, or for the first time, he just healed my body. I better give my life to God. He just healed my mind. He just evicted darkness in me. Yeah, that's God. I want to rededicate today. 
I just want you to lift your hands all over. I'll give you three seconds. One, real high, all over today in the back, in the front. Put it up real high for me. Keep it up. Two, I need everybody to respond right now. It's going to respond real high. Three, we'll keep, we'll wait for you. Real high, real high, real high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Real high, real high. Sixteen, seventeen. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see 17. Awesome. Put your hands down. Ocean's last thing we do online. Just write heart right now. Last prayer. We'll get you out of here, I promise. Say, let's say this last prayer. The Bible says, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth is where relationship with God starts. So let's say this today. God, I believe. Say, tell him, come on. Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. You died for me so I can live for you. So today, I give you the keys to my life. Would you lead me, guide me, heal me, fill me, and make my life count for eternity? I want to be your friend. I want to do the impossible. In Jesus' name. You believe it? Say amen. Give everybody a hand clap as you walk back to your seats. Thank you so much. You guys can all head back to your seats. Please don't forget what God does in moments like these. Maybe before you mingle with everybody after service today, just write down what God said, what God did, what God, what you could feel in your physical body or in your mind today. These moments give us such a heavenly clarity, and it's easy after these moments to forget what God did. So make sure you write down what God did today. I love you so much, Oceans. This month, we're going to go after God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and I believe Orange County is going to be better because of it. Amen. I'll give God a hand clap as we finish up. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.